Welcome to Real Health, Real People. I'm Heather Crawford. And I'm Sarah Frappier. And we're here to talk about real health for real people. Is it over? What's up, people? This is Real Health, Real People. I'm Heather. I'm Sarah. And we are here today to talk about something a little controversial. It's true. We get a lot of questions on it. A lot of people talk about it. We've gotten lots of emails about this subject, and so we decided we're just, we're going to do it. We're going to dive in. We are. We're going to do our best. There's like, there's tons and tons of ways this could go in terms of what we talk about because there's so yeah, many so different facets much. and we're gonna get real passionate i was gonna warn you and we're gonna do our best to cover what we can but we decided we don't want to make this like a two-hour episode right. so <laughs> we're gonna try to keep it hopefully condensed it yeah. and keep it short and if you've read the title to this you know what we're gonna be talking about yep it's all about dairy today y'all. dairy do we do dairy. the dairy? How do we feel about mm. dairy? How do we feel about dairy? Oh, I'm I'm so conflicted. <laughs> I mean, because I read all the research. Yep. But, God, I love some cheese. Right? Well, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, we're going to get into why that, that. It might be, <laughs> sirs and ma'ams. But, you know, like, all you listeners right now, think back to why... Do you think that, like, milk is good for you? Like, who told you that milk is good for you? And for most of us, we learned it in school. Right. right? Like, from kindergarten on, like, we learned to drink your milk, drink your milk. It makes you strong. It makes you grow up big and strong. And you have strong mm-hmm. bones. And, and you know, there's the free milk program where they make sure that every kid gets their milk every single day. So it's been ingrained in us for a really long time. But is it true? I know. And looking online just at some of these dietary councils, um, which are sponsored by dairy, Mm -hmm. the dairy industry, saying things like milk's nature's wonder beverage, builds strong bones, lowers blood pressure, reduce the risk of diabetes, and maintain healthy weight, and it is both tasty and satisfying. No other food or beverage provides the same health benefits as milk. Now, that's a pretty lofty claim. That's a big claim. claim. Basically, and the saying milk is sometimes called nature's most nearly perfect food. Well, and it is a perfect food for baby cows. And mm-hmm. that is, you can't, you know, deny that. Nobody can dispute that cow's milk is an excellent food source for calves. And in, calves weigh about 100 pounds at birth. <laughs> that's, that's pretty big. And they typically gain approximately eight times their weight by the time it's weaned. So, what is that? 800? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, they're about 800 pounds by the time they're weaned. And But unlike humans, once calves are weaned, they never drink milk again. Like, they're done. They're done. No more milk. No more milk. And the same applies to every mammal on the planet except humans. So... All infant mammals mm-hmm. drink milk from their moms. From their mom, yeah. And then they're weaned, and then they don't drink any more milk. Right. And I'm pretty sure, now I don't know this for certain, but I'm pretty sure there are no other mammals that drink other mammals' milk unless it's in, like, emergency. Like, you see, like, 
um, a dog adopted a kitten because it lost its mom. That's different. But, like, by choice, they're not drinking other Like, you don't see, milk. just on a regular mm-hmm. basis, a dog walking up to a kit, kitty cat and, and being like, right. I'm going to drink some <laughs> of your milk right now. Right. You know, there's horses and cows in the same field. They're not drinking each other's milk. So, it's just... That's not how nature is. Just sounded dirty. They're not drinking each other's milk. They're not not milking each other out in that field. That would be an abomination. An abomination. So yeah, though milk is a perfect beverage for cow's milk is a perfect beverage for baby cows. Yes. Right, and I mean think about it. We drink um, breast milk. Mm-hmm. Or infants, you know, yep. our moms will breastfeed us sometimes. And after we are weaned from breast milk, we don't drink breast milk as an adult. Right. So We're not. Just, but, but then we say, let's drink cow's breast milk instead. Right. So where did that transition come That's in? That's odd. Um, you know, each mammal, each species has its own milk. Like mm-hmm. all mammal, mammals are nursing their young. Um, but they're all different. Like... Cow's milk contains, on average, three times the amount of protein than human milk. That's crazy, right? Right. <laughs> so it it's interesting then, because you're saying basically this milk's helping baby cows grow from, like, 100 pounds to, like, 800, 900 pounds. Right. And yet they're saying that milk can help you lose weight. Right. How does that work? <laughs> yeah. The, if it's making these hmm. cows grow huge, how is it going to make us right. lose weight? That just seems, just logically in my mind. Yeah. That doesn't equate. Yeah. That doesn't seem to equate correctly in my brain. Um, well, and, you know, if you're thinking about consuming milk from another species, like, do we... Do we even, like, absorb that properly? Because the whole reason they're telling us to drink milk is to get the calcium. Right. Like, we want the calcium to build strong bones, but do we even absorb that because it wasn't made for us? And there was a study that showed that not only do we barely absorb the calcium in cow's milk, especially if it's pasteurized, which most of us drink not raw (laughs) cow's milk. Some people do buy the raw but it actually increases calcium loss from the bones. Mm-hmm. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. Furman and Dr. Bernard, two physicians that have written many articles about calcium absorption in food, share the following information. Calcium absorption from milk is about 32%, whereas green leafy vegetables have a calcium absorption rate of over 50%. Nice. Just a few examples, broccoli, 53%. Brussels sprouts, 64%. Turnip greens and mustard greens, about 52 to 64%. Kale, 40 to 59%. Yes. So while milk and dairy products have high amounts of calcium, only one-third of it is being absorbed, whereas green leafy vegetables with higher absorption comes very close to delivering what the body needs. Like, you could get all the calcium you need from vegetables green leafy vegetables leafies that's why i put a whole handful in my smoothie every morning right i don't put milk but i put a big old handful of grief griefy leans (laughs) leafy greens yeah um and of course a lot of vegetarians and vegans you know they do a lot of research and studying on you know because they're against just meat and dairy products in general 
But a lot of their research does, again, support that only a third of the calcium is absorbed from milk and more than two-thirds of the calcium absorbed from cheese is wasted anyway. So you're not even processing it, whereas low oxalate green leafy vegetables provide plenty of well-absorbed calcium. Well, and this is saying, like, okay, animal protein, like milk, acidifies the body pH which in turn triggers a biological correction. So calcium is an excellent acid neutralizer, and the biggest storage of calcium in the body is in the bones. So the very same calcium that our bones need to stay strong is utilized to neutralize the acidifying effect of milk. So it's having like the opposite effect of what it's what we want it to have. So once calcium is pulled out of the bones, it leaves the body via the urine, That means you pee it out (laughs) for all you lay people (laughs) like me. Um, But the surprising net result after this is an actual calcium deficit instead of building up your calcium. Well, that um, explanation basically goes along with this study, which I saw in the American Journal of Epidemiology, which they were looking at risk factors for hip fractures in the elderly. Because you always hear... Drink milk for healthy bones so that you don't get osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. And when you're older, don't break your hip. Yep. <laughs> don't break your hip, Granny. That's right. Don't break your hip. <laughs> um, so they were identifying risk factors for hip fracture. And they actually found that consumption of dairy products, particularly at the age of 20 years old, was associated with an increased risk of hip fracture in old age. Isn't that crazy? And it says um these results challenge current approaches to hip fracture prevention yeah so basically saying this is contra you know contradictory to to what what they're they're saying they're recommending drink milk for strong bones well this particular study found that it actually showed associated with an increased risk well it's saying you know um that the countries that consume the least amount of animal products have also the least amount of osteoporosis Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that in a lot of things that I was reading mm-hmm. as well. There's another study in American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, September 2000, where they were looking at evidence from a lot of different journals. And they, um, studies of dairy food intake and bone health provided very inconclusive results. Those that provided strong evidence, only 29% showed favorable effects. So basically, they say they have all of this significant evidence where they reviewed all of these studies and they right. found only 29% of them showed favorable, you know, effects, but they were still inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't very strong based evidence that, yeah. that it actually increases bone health. Well, and so the recommended, the national dairy council recommends to us that we consume 1200 milligrams of dairy a day. And there was a study done on African Bantu. I hope I'm saying that right, women. African Bantu. Um, they take in only 350 milligrams of calcium per day. And um, they typically bear nine children during their lifetime, breastfeed them for two years. They never have calcium deficiency. They seldom break a bone, rarely lose a tooth. So how are they doing this on 350 milligrams or less when we're being told we need 1,200 but, right, you know, they're, they're getting most of their calcium from plants as well. So let's get into a little bit about consuming dairy. Yeah. 
first of all. So we all have heard of lactose intolerance. Mm, Yes. Now, interestingly, in looking at genetics and the genome and all of that stuff, um, lactose intolerance is basically an impaired ability to digest lactose, which is the sugar found in milk and other dairy products. It's normally broken down by an enzyme called lactase, Mm -hmm. and it's produced in the cells lining the small intestine. Um, If any of you, which I'm sure many of you listening have, experience any lactose intolerance symptoms, they include um, abdominal pain, bloating, flatulence, nausea, diarrhea, beginning anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours after consuming dairy products. Yes. Now, there is a very, very, very good explanation for this. Lactose intolerance is not a disease. Okay. Right. (laughs) It is normal lactase gene at work in adults. The human being was not designed to drink milk after infancy. Right. So basically, babies digest milk without getting an upset stomach because they have high quantities of lactase, of this enzyme. The enzyme turns off once a person grows into adulthood, meaning adults were lactose intolerant always, or basically lactase non-persistent. So the lactase is just designed in our body to go away Mm -hmm. now basically those of us that are lactose tolerant like we developed a tolerance for lactose due to genetic mutation so basically you're a mutant that's funny if you're lactose tolerant so it is not a disease right so basically if you're lactose tolerant it means that your gene basically is mutated to where it continues to produce this enzyme Right. Well, and I read too. Um, one of the doctors said that most most people are still lactose intolerant, but um, we don't recognize that we don't feel good because it's such a normal part of our life. So he suggested to give up dairy for just two weeks, like all dairy for two weeks, and see if you feel better. And if you do, then you are lactose intolerant, and if you feel the same, then you might be a mutant. Yeah, only 35% of the global population is actually lactose tolerant. Right. So only 35% actually has this genetic mutation. Right. So chances are you are lactose intolerant, just statistically. Mm -hmm. And it's still interesting because geneticists are still researching why, and there's lots of theories. One of them interesting, like, back in, like, Turkey and Northern Europe regions when the farmers were there like, you know, long, long times ago and they were experiencing intense famine Mm -hmm. that they were milking the cows to try to, you know, get food and nourishment and all of that. But because they were lactose intolerant, all of the ones, they were basically getting diarrhea, dehydrating even more and dying. dying. The ones that actually maybe had the mutation were living so then they're passing on this mutation so it's just like one theory on how maybe this accelerated spreading of this genetic mutation there was a um i don't remember if it was a comic i was listening to or if it was in that movie called a million ways to die in the west but (laughs) like back in the old wild west days you know like diarrhea killed people all the time yeah (laughs) so like like back then you'd be like oh how did he die like diarrhea you know and now like you get diarrhea, it's just like a weekend at home. <laughs> yeah, it's completely different. Right. I mean, things that used to kill us way back in the day are like, oh, I'm just a common cold. And right. back then you were it was like the plague and you would just die. Right. And, but um it's they basically are like, we may never know the exact reason why why this lactose tolerance 
evolved started, so quickly right. or why it developed. But um, we're basically forcing ourselves to try to become lactose tolerant by right. just continually drinking dairy. And I can speak from personal experience. So I worked in big pharma mm-hmm. for five years. I worked in um, clinical research and I worked with pharmaceutical companies developing drugs for anything from ranging from you know heart diseases to cancers or whatever. Well, one of the last studies that I actually worked on um, was looking for a medication to cure, quote unquote, lactose right. intolerance. So basically take this medication and you can eat all the dairy you want. Mm. So again, mind you, lactose intolerance is not a disease. It's just us being normal. It's just us being normal (laughs) humans without this lactase gene. Um, So they're pouring literally, I I mean, I saw the budgets. I was in the project management. Millions of dollars into researching ways to... So that people can eat cheese. Make you able to drink milk milk. and eat cheese and eat ice cream and all of these things. And, you know, I was already becoming very disenfranchised. But I got so angry. It incensed me so yeah. much. I'm like, think about what that money could do. If right? Just don't eat freaking cheese. And give that money to the starving children Right. Of the so, world. like, let's invest or, you know, direct it towards wow. research that would better cancer. serve yeah. a population in need. Now, like, right. you know, why are you in... Hmm. I understand that people want to be able to eat cheese. Well, yeah. And I understand mm-hmm. that people want to be able to drink milk. But we have to ask ourselves... Is it necessary? Right. Why do we want to do this? Because again, Heather goes back to like, why were we told to drink milk all these years? Right. So we we think we're supposed to, but biologically, we're not supposed to. Right. Once we're weaned out of infancy, we're not supposed to digest milk. Well, and like, uh, go back to my son. He he had acid reflux for like two years of his life, and we're just giving him formula and milk. Drink milk, drink milk. You know, the doctor would keep telling us, well, make sure he's drinking his milk. Make sure he's drinking his milk. Well, when we stopped drinking milk, guess what happened? It went away. Yeah, he wasn't puking anymore. Mm-hmm. He would drink his formula or his cup of milk and throw up every time. Yeah. We stopped. No more. No more problems. No more. <laughs> well, I mean, and again, like, you know, the symptoms, you know, bloating, flatulence, yep. and all that. I mean, how many of us, you know, if you eat a lot of cheese, like, you got the toots, man. Oh, of course. <laughs> and everyone's just like, oh, we're just because of dinner. Well, you don't necessarily have to have that. Or you got to unbutton your pants. Because you're bloated. <laughs> like, that's what happens to me. <laughs> My goodness. It's awful. But don't get me wrong, like, um... I mean, I like some ice cream. And I, I do struggle, like, I was telling Heather, like, right before we started recording this, I love cheese. I do. Mm-hmm. Like, it is... And I told her, it's like an addiction. Yeah. And I was like, well, let me pull out this study. Well, she (laughs) found a study that may explain why some of us may feel absolutely like, I have to have cheese. I have to have. Yeah. I mean, and this doctor is saying, you know, don't feel bad. Like, you're not the only one. Like, cheese is hard to ditch because it is addictive. Um, It has opiates in it. So, cheese is packed with, and I'm going to say this real big word here, amph... Oh, it's an amphetamine, like, and I know that word, amphetamine. <laughs> Why, Heather? Why do you know that word? Cheese is packed with amphetamine-like chemicals called phenylethylamine. <laughs> I can't say this, that word, but it's a big word. And if you can't pronounce a word, 
uh, much less spell that you probably shouldn't be putting in your body. But anyway, it also contains casein. I know you've most people have heard casein has become a little bit of a buzzword, um, but that's a protein found in milk and cheese. It breaks apart during digestion to produce morphine-like compounds called casomorphins. So these are opiates that are believed to be responsible for like the mother-infant bond when you're nursing. And so it's no surprise that we ingest that and we feel bonded to that like we would our mother. So you feel like, Oh, I need cheese. I gotta have cheese. Well, there's a reason. Well, and if it's triggering certain <laughs> tracks in your brain, right? And it is. I mean, you said a lot of things like amphetamines. That those are very addictive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and if you're, you know, affecting those pathways, right? I mean, and it makes you, you know, feel good. Then it's like I eat yep. cheese, and in your brain, you're feeling good. I mean, it's like the definition of comfort food. Yeah. But there's another drawback to casein, and that's why it's become such a buzzword. Um, it's been shown to lead to cancer. So that, you know, like I buy non-dairy milk, and you, I always tell my clients, like, you've got to look at the ingredients on the non-dairy milk, too, because there's some that still contain casein, and you want to get rid of that. That's a whole other podcast. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, cheese is also packed with saturated fat and cholesterol, and I know we're going to talk more about that, but... You know, that clogs your arteries and leads to heart disease and strokes. And if that's not enough, (laughs) y'all, many cheeses are made with rennet, which is an enzyme that comes from a calf's stomach lining. And as with all dairy products, cheese contains pus due to the cows that udders get bacterial infections. And we'll talk more about that because that has a lot to do with the dairy industries mistreating them. Hmm. Yeah, that's a whole nother can of worms. But yeah, there's pus in your milk and there's pus in your cheese, just FYI. It just sounds gross. Mm-hmm. It is it gross. It is very unappealing. It's like, I need to hear these things right. because again, my love of cheese is strong. Mm-hmm. And I know Heather's been talking to me about this topic for years now. A long time. And it's still very difficult. And yes. so I can imagine like with, I mean without even this knowledge like you're not there's not going to be an inclination to want to give up cheese like because even with the knowledge and knowing what i know it's difficult right it is difficult to like eliminate dairy entirely from your diet now i don't drink milk i haven't drank milk for years long time yeah i have i drink almond milk yeah but the cheese thing and there's some good cheese alternatives there's a lot of delicious vegan cheese i personally don't like the taste of cheese so i rely on my family to tell me what brands are good but there's some good brands of vegan cheese that are made out of vegetable products well and there's nut cheese (laughs) there's cheese made from nuts Stop it. Maybe you should have started with that. (laughs) Cheese made from nuts. Also called nut cheese. Um, There's this really amazing restaurant, this raw vegan restaurant that we go to called Avo. And they have amazing meals made solely from vegetables. And they have a vegetable lasagna. You get the lasagna, yeah. The lasagna. And it's got cheese made from cashews probably i do make we do make a cashew um cheese and a cashew butter at home and it is creamy and delicious i mean it was oh my gosh if i knew how to make that i think if i could substitute right that that would totally be on point for me well i'll have to send you because there we do make it at home it's super good (laughs) 
Um, but going back to cholesterol levels, um, it's interesting because, you know, stuff that are, is high in cholesterol, especially that LDL, you know, which is basically the bad, the bad cholesterol, right. which contributes to plaque clogging our arteries, making them less flexible, arthrosclerosis. Sticky stuff, as we say. Sticky stuff that's basically <laughs> sticking all up in your arteries. Yes. Um, is the bad cholesterol is present in like butters and, you know, the full fat right. milks and sour creams and everything. See, the butter, the way you feel about cheese is the way I feel about butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have to really... Your love of butter is strong. Yeah. I just have to keep it out of my house. Yeah. Really the best way. Yeah. Like, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Um, so, these things are high in cholesterol, and we know that LDL cholesterol, I mean, it's basically unrefuted at this point. Right. That high levels of LDL cholesterol create lots of cardiovascular problems for yes. us. Yet, um... There's a lot of studies basically saying, no, dairy is good for your heart. It's good for your cholesterol levels. It's good for you. And I... Tell me more, Sarah. ...was researching and I was coming up upon article upon article of all of these journals looking at reviews basically saying that it is good for your heart. Hmm. Um, Looking at all of these different studies. So I got confused. Yeah. So I started that is, confusing. looking. And I mean, these are, you know, in some pretty significant articles, Current Nutrition Report. There's another one in, um, oh, what is this other journal here? Food Nutrition Research. And, you know, all within the recent 2000s. So I started going, what is going on here? So I started looking at the authors of these journals and doing a little digging and who are these authors. So I started to find some really interesting things. So one of these authors of this particular review of recent observational research on dairy and cardiovascular disease, which basically said that they indicate an inverse association between milk and CVD, basically saying that full-fat dairy consumption and CVD um, – are inconsistent like we need more research but right. we're showing that you may actually reduce cvd incident and risk well this particular author beth h rice who wrote this article is surprise surprise employed by dairy management incorporated <laughs> and has received payment for lectures including services on speakers bureaus from the european milk federation come on so she is employed by dairy now right. to me that is complete research bias oh. A complete conflict of interest. Conflict of interest. Come on. What's your um, ethics? Now, in this, in this particular article, because they do state conflict of interest, they do state that. Okay. Which I was like, okay. Well, they're saying yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly conflict of interest. Um, yeah, but basically her job is to work through, you know, commercial partners to drive research on nutrition for the dairy council. Through dairy, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, some other articles I found, I had to dig a little deeper and found that this other article, the researchers were, some of them were from the Nestle Research Center. <laughs> now, I'm sure we've all heard of Nestle. Yes. And they are actually, they have been the largest food company in the world, measured by revenues and metrics for the past three years. They began in 1866 with a foundation 
of the Anglo-Swiss Condensed Milk Company. So their whole company was founded based on milk. milk And one of the largest, like Nestle has their hands in everything. Like everything. They're one of those big corporate conglomerates that has their hand in all different areas. Right. So amidst all of these authors who are from various research institutions are these researchers from Nestle. And now Nestle has developed and created research centers in most of the major cities of the world where, you know, a lot of research is done on food nutrition. But they obviously rely on dairy heavily. Yes. To be... I mean, how can it not be biased? Right. So... What made me angry, though, was that under the conflict of interest section, they're saying none of the authors declares any conflict of interest with providing their solely scientific input to the review. Hmm. And I'm like, you work for Nestle, yet you are reporting no conflict of interest Hmm. when Nestle's profits are driven. By milk. Mainly by dairy sales. Yeah. Because... Dairy, while we tend to think of it, you think, oh, in the dairy case, you've got sour cream, milk, butter, cheese. Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah. But dairy is in a lot lot of things, even dry packaged goods. Mm -hmm. Like think about anytime you have a cookie. Yeah. Like, or, you know, there's milk byproducts Mm -hmm. that are used in tons of packaged foods. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um. I don't remember what the list was of all of the different names for milk and milk byproducts, but it's it's a a pretty extensive list. Yeah. And those things are in... I mean, so much. So my daughter um, did a research paper on dairy for her senior year here in high school. And um, yeah, she found so... Like, dairy's in so many things. There was like aisles of the grocery store where everything had some form of dairy in it or dairy byproduct. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's in everything. Yeah. So basically, these major... This major, you know, companies and corporations, this research is being done and they're sitting on these, you know, panels or contributing to the research article in some way. And they're reporting no conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. Yet clearly, right. there is one. And so, to me, automatically red flag. Yeah. You have to seriously question the credibility of their conclusions. And even in one of the articles, it said, um, they show a significant beneficial association of reducing the incidence of stroke. Now, in the very next <laughs> sentence, they say, however, the association of dairy consumption with stroke should be interpreted with caution because of the evidence of heterogeneity across studies along with possible publication bias. Wow. So it's like in one sentence they're saying it reduces stroke and then the other, but interpret it with caution. Right. So you have to wonder, like, maybe the ethical, you know, influence of the other authors that weren't right. by Nestle were like, okay, if you're going to say this, we have to say there could be possible publication yeah, bias. Like, for sure. You know, and you have to be, you know, we say do your own research, do your own research. Well, you know, you really do start paying attention to these things. Like I started digging into the author list because I was like, just logically, it doesn't make sense to me. How are they saying it reduces heart right, heart disease when it's got it's all of this of saturated, saturated fat. fat? You know, it just doesn't make sense based on my schooling and knowledge and what I've researched to date. Yeah. And then I dig in and then I discuss, I discover this. So yeah. it's like. Okay, you have to question everything. Don't just take stuff face value. Don't take it point blank. Um, I did find one article that was full of authors that were not 
in influenced or associated with the dairy industry, the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, where they did a study. And they did find that dairy fat is not an optimal type of fat in our diets. Um, these results strongly support existing recommendations to choose mainly unsaturated fats from vegetables, oils, nuts, seeds, avocados, and oily fish for a heart-healthy diet. Ooh, ding, ding. Go back to that Mediterranean diet episode. Yeah. <laughs> so you're looking at those unsaturated fats. Right. So they basically are saying that um, vegetable sources of fats are the ones that reduce risk of cardiovascular disease. Right. Well, yeah. We say it over and over, y'all. Eat your plants. Mm-hmm. Eat your veggies. So... You know, not that we're trying to get on, you know, into the politics and political right. soapbox of the issue. Yeah, don't get us started on that. I know. But it does come into play. Just well, be aware. Be aware. Just yeah. be aware of the information you're being fed and where it's coming from. Yeah, for sure. Like, just pay attention to the articles that you're reading and who wrote them. Well, and, you know, dairy industry in itself, like I, we were talking about a little earlier, is not super awesome <laughs> i mean there's still some small dairy farms where i'm sure the farmer loves his his cows and he treats them really well but on the most dairy that you're consuming is coming from these large dairy lots where, yeah grand you know, scale dairy farms right where cows are just shoved into these places they don't even see the light of day a lot of times and you know cows only produce milk when they're pregnant so they have this female cow that's, you know, as soon as she is able to be able to get pregnant, they're impregnating her over and over and over and over and over again until she physically cannot have any more. And then they just get rid of her. And if she um, gives birth to male cows, then they take that male cow on day one and they go ahead and make it veal. <laughs> yeah, that's where all of the veal. Yeah. So veal is very dependent upon the dairy industry. Yeah. In order to produce the veal. Yeah, it's bad. So there's this um, girl that I love on YouTube, and she did a very quick, it's a five-minute video on the dairy industry that I'll keep us from getting an explicit rating. So it's called Dairy is Effing Scary. You can spell that out the right way on YouTube <laughs> and find it. Watch at your own risk, but it'll give you a little more um, insight into just the, the cruelty that happens. So if all of this other stuff has not made you go, oh, okay, Maybe, you know, maybe if you love animals. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it really does get into um, a lot of things. And, and the dairy industry wants us to believe things. And they have kind of, it's like misdirection. And they try to say, oh, well, um, well, cows need to be milked by humans or else the udders will explode. <laughs> well... That's well, not true. Well, what happened before we started milking them? I mean, yeah, <laughs> they're not going to explode with milk. And obviously, if there's a baby cow to drink the milk, right. we don't need to be milking exactly. them. Well, and so they're being, you know, impregnated milked, impregnated milked, and they develop these infections in their udders. And so a lot of times they're having to be treated with antibiotics, and that's also getting in our milk that we're drinking it's also where that pus is coming from, from that infection in their udders. It's disgusting. And there's certain um, limits. Like, you know, there's an acceptable limit in yeah. the amount of these pus cells right. that can actually be in the milk that Yeah, the consume. government says, a little bit's okay. 
They'll be fine with a little bit of pus in their milk. <laughs> I prefer no pus, I would, please. Yeah, please and give thank me you. <laughs> but and then, I mean, this is not general knowledge, though. The general public right. doesn't know, oh, I'm drinking infection. Blech. I mean, that's basically infection Blech. in their I mean, I think a milk. lot of the general public knows that we want to avoid things with that have been given antibiotics because we're so immune to antibiotics now. That's mm-hmm. a whole other podcast, too. I know. Like, this touches on so many issues. It really issues. does. But... You know, just be smart about what we're choosing and and go all the way to the source. Like, do your research all the way to the source. Where is this coming from? Yeah. I mean, because think about the amount of money that the U.S. government spends to promote the dairy industry is astronomical. Yeah. And they have their hands in everything from, like, you know, major ads. Like, I mean, you see it in magazines, billboards, school banners and posters I mean, it's everywhere and they get um, so many famous people we all know the got milk campaign mm-hmm. right so many celebrities with that milk mustache telling our kids if you want to be a famous athlete or a beautiful model you got to drink your milk yeah and it's just not. got milk it's just not right um but they spend like 550 million dollars yeah on these slogans and urging us to buy, like, milk. Yep. That's a, That's a lot, lot of, of money. money. A lot of money. You know, and like I said, I was getting enraged just on all the, the money that was being spent to get a lactose intolerant drug. Well, think about all the money on advertising. Right. To push the right. dairy industry. I mean, it's huge. Um, the Federal Trade Commission recently asked the UDSA, and I, I guess that means United Dairy something association united states dairy association yeah so to look into the scientific basis of the claims made in these milk mustache ads and their panel of scientists stated that milk does not benefit sports performance there's no evidence that dairy is good for your bones dairy is linked to prostate cancer it's full of saturated fat linked to heart disease Dairy causes digestive problems for the 75% of people with lactose intolerance, and dairy aggravates irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. So. (laughs) Well, then. Yeah. That is a lot of negatives. really is. Right there. To basically contradict what basically the dairy company is telling us milk does for us. Yep. And, (sighs) you know... If a lot of people switch from, you know, the regular milk to like raw, whole organic milk, and that eliminates like pesticides and the hormones and antibiotics, but it doesn't eliminate any of those other things that we were just talking about. Like the only way is to just stop the dairy. Yeah. Um, you don't need it to survive. You don't. It's not an essential we nutrient. weren't and again going back to the genetic mutation we were not designed we were not designed to need or consume dairy after infancy you know who was who nobody not even <laughs> not even cows not even cows <laughs> that's what's crazy they don't me. even drink their own milk past I was, infancy um, having this discussion with somebody like there was a mother nursing in a restaurant totally normal but what if she, like, put it into a cup and offered it to you? Like, would that not gross you out? Like, it's not gross to breastfeed your kid, but I don't want to drink your breast milk. 
But we do that with cows all the time and think nothing of it. Yeah. We're not drinking breast milk as an adult from yeah. another human. I'll post this picture on our blog too. But there's one, there's like a statue and I can't remember where it is. But they, um, it's like a pig, it's like a cow and there's all these people like clamoring to the top to like nurse off this cow. I can't remember. I think it's somewhere in Asia, but I'll post it on the blog. It's a real in powerful like, image. Cat hair on my I know right my now. cat. She, my cat Charlie, just came in here is like all over us. All of a sudden, <laughs> he wants attention. It's probably him telling us, "Okay, yeah, you need to stop." I know it's a, this is a longer one, but there is this is just scratching the surface, y'all. Like, I just I'm really passionate. Give up the dairy. Give up the dairy. Now, that's not saying you can't every once in a while go get some ice cream or a piece of pizza, but we should not be consuming this on a daily basis. And especially what they're telling kids that need... They're telling kids to drink three cups of milk every day. And that's... I just can't even imagine. No, and... I mean, that gets into, oh my gosh, all the other stuff of... You're forcing kids to drink something that may be upsetting their stomach. Right. Because they're most likely lactose intolerant if they're among the 75% of people that are lactose intolerant. And so they're making them have this milk before school, milk at lunch, you know, milk at snack time, and then expecting them to perform in school when they feel crappy. They feel gross. Yeah. Like, think about if you're, you know, if you know you have severe lactose intolerance symptoms, think about that if you're, like, sitting in school and that's what you're feeling. Or maybe you did experience that as a kid. And you didn't know that's why you were experiencing it, but you're constantly uncomfortable you're not going to be able to concentrate. Like, it's going to affect your child's performance. So there's just so many facets. And again, like Heather said, we just scratched the surface on some of them. And I, as I was researching this, like, I was getting so frustrated. And as a scientist trained right. to, like, publish material, like, to see these studies published with authors that clearly had a conflict of interest and then to report no conflict of yeah. interest and to clearly be biased in have an investment in the results – for financial gain or for their company's financial gain is just infuriating. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been screaming about dairy for a long time and it's like we said at the beginning, it's very controversial. There's a lot of money backing dairy, but I'm saying we're going to debunk dairy. Yes. And you know, and that's the thing that's, that's an intense where, you know, the power that they have and how infiltrated they are in all of our systems and money talks, and so those that scream the truth and say yep. these these truth things about dairy, like I bet people that have no idea that lactose tolerance is actually a, yeah. the mutation. Well, it's funny. I mean, back in olden times, people would tie rabbit's feet around their kid's neck to like ward off sickness, mm-hmm. and they um, when when people were started to tell them um, that doesn't work, they were like, "What? No." It's kind of the same thing, you know, like when you go against the grain, it's going to take a while for people to, to believe you or catch on, but yeah, and so thought the world was flat too. And so, you know, if you are listening to this and you're questioning what we are saying about it, do your own research. That's what, I mean, that's strongly what I want to encourage bottom line. And I think that's one of the whole purposes of our podcast is to don't take things at face value. Ask questions. It's okay if you don't want to agree with us as long as you're getting reliable, informative research and you're really paying attention to the sources. So, I mean, 
if you have comments, questions, email us, realhealthrealpeople at gmail.com. Yes. Let us know what you have to say about it, and we are more than happy to discuss it with you. That's yeah. what we're and all about. thank you to all the people that sent in their dairy questions. We One of the questions, um, again, we just didn't have time to get to everything, was dealing with, like, dairy and inflammation. So it's also linked to some skin conditions like acne. Psoriasis. Yeah, things like that. So we didn't get into that, but um, you can, again, do your own research on that. It's... It's not fun. <laughs> no, I mean, there's definitely a link between um, dairy allergies and intolerances versus right. skin, certain skin conditions. Yes. And inflammations and mucus production. Right. And so much, the list goes on and on and on. And we're trying to keep this under an hour. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'll just say one last thing. Um, my husband has severe, like, seasonal allergies only when consuming dairy he's not consuming any dairy he has zero seasonal allergies yeah so i guess we could challenge you with this like try the experiment heather said try to go um two weeks without dairy just go two weeks commit say i'm gonna go two weeks without dairy and see how you feel yeah and if you need support like because like she said it's really hard to give up dairy it's addictive if you need support to go to do that two weeks we go without dairy I mean, I do most always, but we do it intensely for 10 days every single month. So just reach out to us. We'll be happy to add you to our support group and help you get through those first two it's weeks true. with no dairy. And I will say, I do know that I feel better when I don't don't yeah, eat for sure. dairy. I know that for a fact. My so. stomach is way flatter when I don't eat dairy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so do your own research, you know. Think for yourselves. Ask questions. Yeah, because the dairy industry tells us a lot of really crazy claims, but if it sounds too good to be true... It's probably not real. We should have been funnier.